welcome to the NAI Football Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to all things NAI football. It's your two boys, Corey Thorpe, John Cooper, right here for NAI F-Ball, here to give you the best breakdown for National Championship Week. Morningside, Benedictine, Daytona Beach, doesn't get any better. I'm here with my host, Corey Thorpe. Corey, tell us about the meetup we're going to have, Daytona Beach, Saturday, December 15th. John, I am jacked up about this. I cannot wait. Um, We are going to be at BJ's Brewery, um, which it's about five miles from the stadium, but honestly, folks, that's about the closest thing to the stadium. Um, Be there from about 11.30 to uh, 2 p.m., at which point we will escape to... Um, go to the stadium and, uh, you know, be credential media. Um, but we do have an Eventbrite uh, event up. Uh, if you go to our website, naifball.com, you will uh, see uh, there's an article there talking about the meetup. If you follow the link there, you can go ahead and register. Uh, I'm sure the fine folks at BJ's Brew House um would not like me coming with 19 of my closest friends and not telling them ahead of time. So please let, let me know so that I can make appropriate um, or give them appropriate amounts of warning that we're going to be there. Um, but John, I, I know you're excited, but but I am so, so ready for Saturday. Time, time has slowed to a crawl. How about you? That's right, Corey. So... If you want to come out, Daytona Beach, December 15th, watch me crush some steak quesadillas and uh, pound some drinks, you're going to have a good time if you come out. Now, Corey, we got some news this past week about the national championship game moving to a new location, not in Daytona Beach anymore. I'm kind of sad about it. We're going to northern Louisiana, a grambling state, you know, your blue blood HBCU hosting it. For the next two years, I believe. Yeah, it, uh, they just announced it this this week, I believe, and uh, it's just uh, right now for the 2019 and 2020 seasons uh, at Grambling State in Grambling, Louisiana. Um, you know, I know you're a Florida boy, born and raised just like me, and so you know we're we're taking a look at that that 60, you know, 63 degree high Grambling State, and we're we're talking about wearing jackets, but. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's going to be like next year. It might be snowing in northern Louisiana for all I know. Um, but, um, you know, I just, to me, I would rather be in a small stadium in a slightly larger metro area than kind of the Monroe, West Monroe area. Um, I mean, if you're in the Duck Dynasty... You know, yeah, that that's kind of cool, but but otherwise, I mean, I I can think of I can think of some other venues that would that would be kind of nice. Um, I you know we tossed around uh, Georgia State plays at the old Turner Field, the home of the the former home of the Braves, or um, Orlando City Stadium, which is about a twenty twenty uh, five thousand seat stadium in in Orlando where their soccer team plays. Um, would would be nice, and I know you are are kind of partially obsessed with the idea of these NAIA teams going to Disney World, aren't you? Yeah, Corey, I have dreams all the time. 
as a former NAI player myself, I want to be rewarded if I make it that far to the national championship game. I saw Morningside players and Benedictine players out the yin-yang on Twitter, excited that they were going to sunny Daytona Beach in the month of December. You're getting away from Kansas, you're getting away from Idaho, and or excuse me, whoa, Iowa, and you are going to sunny Florida, which you should be. You should be rewarded. This should be fun. And I have dreams of Walt Disney World hosting both teams in our league that make it this far. You know, the guys get to go to the park maybe for a day. They get to eat right. It would be nice of our league to, and we're just the independent guys, but it would be nice of our league to go make a contract with ESPN and say, hey, sponsor this game in Orlando. Go to the Orlando City Soccer Stadium, which is a smaller venue for our guys to play at. Make it worth these guys while they earn it. They they deserve to be there. They deserve to be somewhere great. And there's no knack, knock on Grambling State. It's a great place. It's a blue blood for HBCUs. And it's it's a site for college football. But Corey, where are all the bowl, majority of the bowl games played for major college football? What state? Uh, um, either Florida or California, someplace where it is not snowing. Right, and this is what these kids want. They want a little vacation out of it to enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. They want to take care of business, and they'll play this game if it was in the parking lot because they want that championship ring. But make this special for the kids. And I understand you probably need a centralistic location. Makes it easier on travel. Put it in Texas. Put it put it in sunny Texas. Put it Texas somewhere. Texas is warm this time of year. Corey, tell me, does it make sense to have a national championship where no NAIA football team is sponsored in that state? That make doesn't make much sense to me. Is there even are are there many teams in Arkansas? Because that's even at least marginally close to Arkansas. We have a bunch of NAIA teams coming up in Texas. And, you know, they're joining the Sooner Athletic Conference over there. But, to me, put it in California, Texas, Florida, make it a central, or, excuse me, not a central, but make it a destination that the kids want to go to. You look at Kansas Wesleyan, Corey, that raised over $90,000 to host three playoff games. You cannot tell me that they can't raise money. To make it to these games. And to the official NAI guys listening to us, I, I look, we know your job's hard as it is. Please, please don't take this out on us. We're just <laughs> two guys with an opinion. We respect you guys. But we just think that there's just some stuff that can be better. So and I just dream of a national championship game that's hosted in Orlando that treats our kids right. I dream of bowl games that are sponsored by businesses at a home team stadium, that these kids get another opportunity to play. It's, it's just for the kids. We're speaking here as two guys with currently no sponsors, not making any money, and NAI is nice enough to give us credentials for their national championship game to go cover it. So thank you guys. Woo-hoo. But we just think two different things here, and um, I'm sure we'll get an explanation, and we'll probably put our foot in our mouth of why it's happening, because we don't make those decisions. 
but that's just what our drawing board is. And we would love to hear your opinion. So slide in our DMs or our mentions or something on NAIFball on Twitter or Instagram. You know I give you guys splash edits all the time. We want to hear from you guys what you think. Because there's 80-plus teams that are going to be battling for that national championship appearance next year. This affects you guys. So I want to hear your opinion. Corey, anything else before we move on to the actual national championship game? Um, I mean, just as you mentioned uh, the DMs dimensions, um, you know, after this week, um, John, it's it's going to be, man, we're going to be starving for football by come June, July. It's gonna we're we're gonna be we're we're gonna be the two straggling travelers in the desert, full beards, going football, you know, so. Please, if you have questions, ask them. If there's someone you want to hear us interview, we will we will contact darn near anyone and see if we can get them on our podcast. We've already got a couple of guys lined up to go. Um, I'm stoked about about that. One of, one of them is uh, from a, a a blue blue blood uh, Georgetown. Uh, college there, and um, I am I'm super super excited to talk to him not only about football, but uh, his what he does actually for a living is is fun as well. So I I look forward to to doing that one. Something to help our listeners because as a guy that like I said went to NAIA school, I understand many of you guys are going to come away with tons of student loans. So when that interview comes up with that former Georgetown national champion in 1985 who talks a little bit about finance, you're going to want to listen to that. All right, Corey, now let's move on to the next thing and the biggest thing, the climax of the season, the best thing there is in NAIA football, the national championship game. The Morningside Mustangs versus the Benedictine Ravens. Corey, last week we talked about giving your pick of who you think would win. And we're going to clarify it on the end. And I'm, we're going to hold each other to it, who we think we're going to win, who's going to win. Last week, I picked Benedictine, and Corey, I think you're going to be surprised who I pick at the end of this podcast, but I want you to go through it. You know, we talked about before show how that Morningside is the best show on turf offensively. How in the world is Benedictine going to stop Morningside? I'll let you go first. Well, I mean, it's not like Benedictine has this horrible defense. Um it's one thing I've I've really been looking looking at. Um Benedictine uh, I think has the the fifth uh ranked defense and I'm not looking at the stats straight up so so if I'm wrong I'm I'm wrong. Um uh, Morningside's is third. Um third ranked I believe. There are two spots ahead of Benedictine what whatever it is. Um you know and they're both Top ten. Um, you know, St. Francis is is number fifteen in total defense, and that's a St. Francis team that yes, it was in the snow, um, but that's a that was a St. Francis team that really did give Morningside all they wanted. Um, you know, so. I, you know, you're now talking about a, a kind of a, a cut above that. I, I really think 
Um, you know that that if Benedictine's defense can find find some some chinks in the armor um, that they can exploit, that they they may have a real shot at this. Right. So Benedictine's led by you know um, a stout defense. They have Matt McCullough, who has four interceptions on the year, right there in the secondary. Then they have Jalen James, who's a absolutely physical linebacker, number 23 back there. If you get a chance to watch their archive games on YouTube, you need to, because he can fill the A and B gaps. And Morningside, who is very pass-heavy, can transition into a power-running team if they have to. Benedictine is going to have their hands full on defense, but Corey... I'm going to bring up a game that was an absolute blowout, but watching the film, I think it gives a little bit of a blueprint of what happened against Morningside that they should have stuck to. And people are going to say I'm crazy, and that's fine. But when I watched that Morningside-St. Xavier game a couple rounds earlier in the playoffs, I just don't understand why St. Xavier didn't stop blitzing. They should have kept blitzing. They were running through A and B gaps and creating that, making that pocket collapse. And luckily, you had Trent Solson back there throwing off his back foot, being efficient. But to me, Corey, blitzing that offensive line against Morningside and creating some confusion might be Benedictine's best chance to pin their ears back and go and just be aggressive, man up those Morningside receivers. Don't play zone coverage and say, look, we're going to take our chances. We know you might score 30 to 40 points on us, but we think our offense might can keep pace with you, and we might create some turnovers. That's how I think Benedictine has the best chance to beat Morningside, Corey. Yeah, I mean, it's really going to be, can, can the Benedictine defense um, shorten uh, or get – Morningside off the field um, because Benedictine's running game is is really really good, um, you know, and and I think it's going to be in Benedictine's best interest to try to shorten the game, and you know it's just like uh, you know we we said when uh, Peyton Manning was with the Colts and you know he was throwing to to Reggie Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. The best, the best defense against him was a good offense. Was to stay on the field and and to keep him off of it. I think if Benedictine can do that, they're gonna find themselves in in a in a good game down in the fourth quarter. Right. So Benedictine, who is led in rushing by Marquis Stewart, who is leading them in all-purpose yards who had a huge game against Kansas Wesleyan last round in the semifinals. Me and you both agree, Corey, that to beat this Morningside juggernaut, they're going to have to control the time of possession. And, you know, Marquis Stewart's going to have to at least get 30-plus carries and keep Trent Solzman, Connor Niles, and Arne Ponder off the field. And if they can do that, they have a chance. Now, Corey, let me ask you, you know, nothing really matters anymore. You can throw everything out the window for a national championship game. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you can see the resume building what happened. Who do you think's more battle-tested, Morningside or Benedictine? You know, Morningside did play the D2 squad. Right. Um, but 
the slate that Benedictine had to go through, even in the regular season, there were a couple teams that were either in the playoffs or right on the cusp of it that they played and they and they played hard against and, and won most of them, except for I think one of them. Uh, early game, early on in the season, like I said, I don't have the the schedule right in front of me. I could though. Um, yeah, the game against against Evangel. I mean, Evangel wasn't a bad team, but I mean, you've got Evangel wins. Evangel almost should have probably made the playoffs. In e- my opinion. E- yeah, exactly. And that was an away game at a, at Evangel. Uh, but there's a win over Baker at Baker, um, and there's a, an away game over Grandview. Um, you know, both both playoff teams. And then, you know, even the first game of the playoffs, yes, it was a double overtime game. But Cumberland's was a lot of folks' sleeper pick. Right. And, and they were definitely my sleeper pick. I didn't think Benedictine was going to get out of the first round. And I ate my crow on that. But like you said, Corey, Benedictine's been absolutely battle-tested. And it started early in the season when they took that loss, like you said, to Evangel. And Evangel probably should have been in the playoffs. You know, the Heart of America is a great conference. And not no disrespect to GPAC teams, but it's been a two-team league between Northwestern and Morningside here lately. And nobody came close against those two teams. While the Heart of America is just more competitive, in my opinion, not only did... They have event. They had Grandview on the schedule. They had multiple playoff teams on their schedule. They had Grandview and Baker on their schedule. They went two and zero against playoff teams, and then they took the loss to Evangel, a close loss. And like I said, I I personally think Evangel could have competed against any team that lost in the first round or the quarterfinals. I truly believe that, and I will say that Benedictine had the way tougher playoff run. We talked about Cumberland's. That was a sleeper pick. Cumberland's quietly was a one-loss team up until that game. Then they had Concordia. And to me, what impressed me, that's probably the most impressive thing about this playoff story, is how Benedictine handled, to me, a future professional running back with Joe Connor from Concordia. If you look at that kid, he is an NFL body just waiting to be signed by somebody. So... Benedictine, while Morningside is that juggernaut, Benedictine starts looking better and better day by day to me. And I think it's going to be close. But let's go ahead and focus a little bit on Morningside. Corey, do you think it'll be the air show with Niles and Solsma? Or because we expect some bad weather for this game that's going to be rain. The field is artificial turf. Do you think Morningside has to keep it on the ground? Granted, they passed all the time during snow last two weeks ago, but will they have to keep it in the ground during rain? Man, if if you come out the gate throwing during snow, I mean, now the rain is supposed to be be on through on Friday. Now, of course, this is we're recording this uh, the previous Monday night, and. Um, you know, before the before the national championship and weather predictions change, but as of as of this recording, they're expecting um, rain on Friday and um, it it to to clear have been cleared out by Saturday. But I mean, if you throw in snow, I mean, 
honestly. You should probably be able to throw during anything. And the image that's been going around Sioux City, Iowa, is that last touchdown pass that Saltzman threw to Connor Niles in overtime to win the game. Unbelievable catch, by the way. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason why we shouldn't doubt the air show to be continued in rain if that happens. But it's it's Morningside is one of the most balanced teams I've ever seen at any level of football. These guys can do it all. And I know we might have sound negative a little bit about them in the podcast just a couple minutes ago. But Morningside can just do it all. They have a 1,000-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver. And then I don't even know what Saltzman's at. He's got to be at least over 3,000 yards by now. And so you have the player of the year in AI with Saltzman. You have Connor Niles. He will definitely get a professional contract, Corey. Put it on the books. Some professional leagues going to try him out. He will get NFL looks. I know what an NFL player in the NAI looks like, and he is definitely it. And then you have the sophomore running back, Arnage Ponder, who is probably the future of this Morningside team that has something to prove in this national championship game. And I'm writing an article about how he might be the unsung hero, which is crazy to think because he's dominated this year. But a lot of people are talking about the other offensive players, but he is just as important. Court, we we just talked about how can Benedict can beat Morningside. It's just going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Now, let's talk about Benedictine's offense. Corey, what do you think about their quarterback? Their quarterback, and, and I hate to use the word game manager because it's 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 a dirty word. To a lot of people, but there's there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. You and I, growing up, both watched a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that was quarterbacked by Brad Johnson um, sit there and win the Super Bowl. Brad Johnson was not a a game a a quarterback that was going to win you a game. He was not Tom Brady. But he had a good defense behind him. And Schaefer shoots is is he's not a bad quarterback. Um, just getting his his stats pulled up here. I mean, you're you're talking about thirty three total touchdowns. Um, you you, you know there, um, two hundred two passing yards a game. Um. Benedictine is is sitting there with you know about nine or so yards per yards per attempt um so you know it's Benedictine's passing game is is definitely the weaker component of of their offense but I'll, I'll put it like this. Shoots might not win you the game. Like Tom Brady did against my Falcons a couple years ago. But he certainly could lose you the game. Right. So, and here's the interesting thing. You know, Benedictine only has one receiver over 500 yards. And that's Aaron Jackson. He had an absolutely monster game last Two weeks ago, excuse me, semifinals round. Uh, absolutely monstrous game. My only fear for Benedictine is that Morningside takes him away because they have 
two awesome players in their secondary with Xavier Spann and Deion Claiborne. And I've heard rumors, Corey, that the only person that can cover Connor Niles in the country is a teammate at practice, and that's Xavier Spann, who has six interceptions on the year. So Benedictine's going to look for other answers to try to move the ball here. Because I have a feeling Morningside is going to cover up Aaron Jackson pretty well. And like I said, I think the key point for them is to shorten the game, running the ball. And I think they had something crazy last week. I think they had 60 rushing attempts against Kansas Wesleyan. Right, and they're going to have to have something similar to that with Marquis Stewart. And hopefully he can hold up the whole game. That Benedictine offensive line is what makes Schaefer effective, in my opinion. He has all the time, and then you have Marquis Stewart to open up that passing game with a loaded box. You know, they've got 2,000-yard rushers on that squad. Benedictine wow. does. Really? Wow. It's yeah, uh, right. Stewart and, and uh, Nehart, or right. Nehart. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it, but yeah, they've got 2,000-yard rushers. So, I mean, if you're not... Um, you know, if one's not one's not doing it, the other might have the hot yeah, hand. It's a two-headed monster. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Corey, you know, I don't want to end things too fast, but I want you to tell me three keys to the game. Just generally, you can give two to Morningside, one to Benedictine, or two to Benedictine, one to Morningside. Let's do that, and then I want score predictions before we wrap up. All right. Um, what I would say is, Morningside, you need to play your game. You don't need to get wrapped up in what folks say you should do, what, um, or this, that, and the other, or, or you psych yourself out because it's in, it's the national championship and, and you know good and well that Benedictine's had a bye week. Play your game. It's gotten you to this point. Your quarterback has thrown almost 70 touchdown passes. Play your game. It's, it's going to be fine. Benedictine, we we got to run the ball. We got to run the ball, play good defense, and you've got a shot. Um, you, you know, and and that's and that's really, really, for 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 each day. I gave one for each, but but yeah, Morningside, play your game. Benedictine, be committed to the run and play sound defense. Right, so I, I think Benedictine players have to realize, and I guarantee you no team's going to think they're the underdog coming into this game. No. And it's not like that where a team's got to think, well, they put on the same pants I do one leg at a time. There is not one team that's going to be backing down or afraid of the other. So I think whichever team comes out and plays physical and says, I'm going to hit you in the mouth, which I've seen Morningside do that a lot, and I've seen Benedictine do it too, but I have absolutely seen Morningside crush people. So Morningside, what I'm going to say is, I know the air show's got you there, but don't get away from the physical side of football. Benedictine, take your chances. Go make those turnovers. Realize if you give up the big play, that's fine. But you need to create turnovers, give that offense extra possessions. 
Corey, I'm going to go ahead with my score prediction. You go right on ahead. I've eaten crow with Benedictine in the past. Morningside is an absolute juggernaut, but they have not won that big game in a while. And this is the biggest game they've had in four years. I think that the moment gets too big for Morningside. I think that Morningside plays off their game. Benedictine plays a perfect game. And that's enough to beat them. I have Benedictine winning this game 35-31. And I have them doing it on the ground. And the only reason it's that high scoring is because Morningside extends the game throwing at least 40 to 50 times. My opinion. But I think we're going to get an offensive showdown. I think... Benedictine sticks to that where they're running the ball and they have huge success with that offense line. So give me the Benedictine Ravens going through one of the toughest playoff runs in history, winning the national championship 35-31. Corey, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll I'll take your I'll take your narrative and I'll and I'll use the same narrative and and talk about it a different way. This is the biggest game that Morningside has played in four years. They've been there before. The playoffs are a different animal than the regular season. You've got a veteran-laden squad. Um, and I think it's going to be close. Just like you, you, you're predicting, we're actually kind of thinking in the same range in terms of points. Um... But I, I still, I still feel Morningside squeaking by. Um, I'm thinking more like thirty to twenty-seven or thirty-three thirty, somewhere kind of in that range. I'll, I'll go thirty twenty-seven, um, and I'll say it's a last-minute field goal. We get an instant classic. NAI National Championship and Morningside gets gets to celebrate and Benedictine gets mad and comes back next year hungry. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Remember, this is going to be happening often in the offseason and we're going to get you that schedule. I hope that you join us in Daytona. You need to follow us on Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, all at NAIFball. Follow our website, NAIFball.com. Google NAIFball and you will find us. Do not miss out on coverage of this game because I guarantee there will be a lot of media at this game, but we will be the best media at this game. And you're going to enjoy that coverage. For Corey Thorpe and John Cooper, signing off, stay classy.